Ready for some word today? Praise God. Go with me to the book of John and the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. Over the last month, I have been in a series, and and that series uh, had to do with getting serious about the things of God. And and not taking lightly the, the, the necessity of having God at a certain place in our lives. Because when we elevate Him to the proper place, the, the Scriptures tell us that we find Him, that we'll not be dissatisfied in our relationship with Him. We will discover what our heart yearns and longs for. It's kind of like so many areas of life. If you'll put a lot into it, then you'll get a lot out of it. I mean, if you put a lot into, if you want to get into good physical condition and you put a lot into your workout regimen and that kind of thing, how many know you'll have good results? If you, if you do it kind of mamby-pamby and just kind of show up once in a while, you'll probably look the same as you did, you know, before you started, <laughs> right? Uh, how many know when it comes to the things of the Lord, though, that's the way spiritual things work. When a person puts a lot into something, they get a lot out of it. There is a lot there beyond our comprehension, beyond our imagination, wonderful and powerful and amazing. It is the very glory of God and the essence of His, of his character and His personhood. And we can have all of Him. But to, unfortunately, many times people just barely go in. They don't put much in. Jesus said it this way, with the measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. And so what kind of measure are you using when it comes to your relationship with God, your involvement in spiritual things? Are you going for it, so to speak? Are you all in? Are you giving Him your all and your, your thoughts and your time and everything? Because if you are, you know the result. It's good. It's nice. I mean, and you wouldn't trade anything else. But it, the, the problem uh, enters in when someone gives a tiny bit expecting a whole lot out of it. And they judge what they get back um, in a false way. They think, well, I'm not so sure this is so good. Well, you don't really know. You don't really know the potential and what life can hold until you jump in. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about worship. I want to, uh, specifically, I call this true worship. True worship. And I take that from the Scriptures. Uh, But there always seems to be a counterfeit to what is real. There always seems to be, if there's something that's the real thing, there's a fake thing. You know, it's a re- there's, there's a reason why years ago the, uh, I don't know, the dairy producers or something came up with that little symbol and it was called the real seal. I don't know if they still use that. Is that still around? Still around. The real seal. Why was there a real seal? Well, because there's a lot of phony baloney out there. <laughs> there's a lot of things disguising itself as milk and butter and cheese and, and so forth. And, uh, and it's not the real thing, so they establish this. And you see that in the store and you know, this is real. This is the genuine article. Praise God. Thank God for real. Amen. Margarine. <laughs> real. Real butter. 
real Diet Coke. I mean, <laughs> none of that fake stuff, right? <laughs> but there always seems to be in life uh, something that's a counterfeit to what's real. Um, same thing's true when we talk about the things of God. You know, the Bible in many places throughout Scripture will talk about false somethings, false apostles, false prophets, right? There uh, also uses the word real uh, in, in connection to different things, um, and it, real and true uh, you know, true worship, like we're talking about, uh, the one true God. And, and, and we see that in relationship to other things. There's always warnings about what's false or what's fake and phony. And there's always, you know, exhortations to engage in something that's true, something that's real, something that's genuine. Okay? And it seems that in any area that we discuss, many of the things that I teach, there is this something going on in my mind where I'm exposing and blowing up some kind of idea or concept that has replaced the genuine article. Where we've gotten away from God's Word and the reality of His Spirit and what He's doing in our lives, and we're continuing on with something that looks real, with something that is... uh, 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 it has the right shape, and from the outside, it, uh, it has the appearance of godliness. But really, when you analyze it, it lacks power. It lacks, uh, it lacks genuine um, spiritual activity. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, many of you know I come from a dairy background. And, I, and I'm, my dad, I remember talking to him years ago, and he said one of the worst things that they ever allowed was, and it goes back to my previous illustration, the worst thing they ever allowed was them to make margarine yellow. Because when they made it yellow, people get this, they got this idea that it was real. And when I say it was, it was bad, it was bad for the dairy business. And, you know, apparently it's bad for health too, but I'm not talking about that. I don't really care about that right now. Butter's still better. <laughs> But that's not my message. I'm not a, I'm not a food prophet. <laughs> but he said, just remember him saying that, that was the, one of the worst mistakes they allowed is for margarine to be made yellow. Because it looks real, but it's not. And, uh, and what we want to avoid in our lives is looking like something, but not being it. We want to avoid something in our discussion here that looks like worship, but maybe is not. Is it possible that we could engage in something and do something that's fake? That's not the real thing. Or that lacks the life of God, lacks the Spirit of God, lacks some of these things, but has all the appearances of being the exact same thing. You know, the Scriptures talk about those in the last days, how there would be uh, there, some things that we should, we should avoid. He said there would be a form of godliness but they would, these people have that have, would have a form of godliness but deny the power. I don't want to have a form of godliness that lacks power, that lacks presence, that lacks tangibility, that lacks results, that lacks a changed life, a healed body, a restored marriage, a, a peace in the mind. Come on now. If all we're doing is just having a form, having an appearance, then there's some better things we could do with our time.
When we talk about worship, that can mean different things to different people. And I want to help us eventually to get all, all get on the same page so it means the same thing to all of us. But sometimes people talk about uh, worship and they think that's, well, that's attending a, quote, worship service. Like what we're having. That's a time where people come together and worship. That is how I worship. I go, in other words, I go to church. Well, is going to church synonymous with worship? That would be a question. Uh, some, to some people, worship is singing a Christian song. If I sing a Christian song, then I worshiped the Lord. Or some just listening to a Christian song. That would be worship. I worshiped all the way to work. How'd you do that? I had Air One on. On the radio. <laughs> it was powerful. Uh, with some, they would define worship as observing some religious tradition. And when they observe that tradition, that to them is defined as worship. With others, it is partaking of a sacrament or communion. And when they receive those elements, they say, well, that is worship. When I go to church on Sunday and I receive those elements, that's worship. In the world now, we find this language very common, that everything about God is referred to as religion. Many people in our, uh, well, most of us here would be referred to in some circles, and, and maybe you speak this way, but they would refer to us as religious people. Uh, I sometimes will read articles, and, and this kind of grates on me a little bit, especially when it's someone famous. You know, you read about some uh, athlete that's a Christian, that's a believer, and the way that is translated then in an article and description about them is they love their religion. Or they love their faith. This person really loves their faith. I just want to gag all over that. It's like, ah! You know, because that person believes the same thing I do. That person has a relationship with the same Jesus that I do. And so in one sense, by you know, comparison, they're describing me as someone who loves religion... And loves their faith. I don't love religion or faith. <laughs> but I do love God. But I do love the Lord. I have a relationship with God. And so, I, I don't know if you get, you guys, you, you with me on this? You, you, you ever think that way when you hear about that kind of talk and that kind of language? And I understand the world doesn't know. And people in the world, they, they, don't, they don't understand. And everything's, everything wants to be always placed on an even plane. This is your faith. They love their faith. They love their, you know. I'm not even a big fan, and I can understand this a little bit, so I'm not totally kicking it over, but I'm not a big fan of there's power in prayer. Because I think there's power in Jesus. I mean, prayer, sure, it's a vehicle that gets me, it, it, that helps me to make that connection. I believe in prayer and pray myself and have a relationship with God. But the power is not in the prayer because a whole lot of people praying all day long and getting nothing. Supposedly praying. I mean, they would call it prayer. People around the world crying out to God and beating their chest and, and, and no results. Where's their power? In a connection with God. In a relationship with Him. Amen. 
you know, there are, there are those today that, that uh, this is becoming more popular. People claim to be spiritual, but non-religious. Spiritual, but non-religious. And I think there's some positives there, but that's not really the big question. The big question is not whether you're spiritual, but whether you have eternal life. The big question is not are you religious or are you spiritual? Are you saved? (laughs) Do you have a relationship with God? Have your sins been washed away? Do you have a union with the Lord? Amen. And so, uh, a lot of things said. A lot of things spoken about. And I think we should really get down to the real deal of what we're experiencing in our life. I was looking up the word religion. It is used once or twice in the Bible, um, the, the, the word religion, uh, the, the Greek word, it means ceremonial observance. Ceremonial observance. And uh, so do some of us do, do certain things religiously? I think we do. Uh, I, do some of us come to church services religiously? Yes, meaning that we do it regularly. It's a spiritual or uh, it's a religious habit of ours. The problem then, though, becomes when that's the only thing that we have going on. The problem becomes when we, we base our confidence, we base our relationship with God in our religious exercise. The fact that I pray at a certain time or I go to church at a certain time and I do this regularly. I have these these habits in my life and they can be good habits. They can be positive things. But if that becomes the extent of of the description about your life and it, it is the description of your relationship with God, then your religion needs to go. Got real quiet on that. Because we do not, religion doesn't get anyone to God. Religion is not the answer. But I tell you, a relationship with God is. A personal connection with Him. I don't, I, I don't care. You know, I had a, a friend, uh, I have a friend who's a pastor in another state, and he, he said, we have these shirts that say, I love my church. And, uh, and I said, well, we, we're getting these shirts that say, I love Jesus. <laughs> and of course, I was joking with him partly, but I was partly like, I'm not going to do that. You know, and if you love your church, great, I love you. You love me. We're family. We should have love for each other. But there's too much of a, that just creeps me a little bit. I love the organization. You know, I love the building. I love the, no, I don't love any of that. Huh? Sometimes I don't like it. You know what I'm talking about? But what I do is I love the Lord. I love his work. I love his people. I love how we come together. I love what he does in, a, in, in the midst of us. I love our, our relationships. And I think there's just a higher level. And so I'll continually jazz my friend about his religious exercises over there and how they love their church and we love God. <laughs> but I want to go much further than religion. I want to go much further than habitual practice. And when we talk about worship, I believe this is the only way we get into true worship. I think it's very possible for us to have fake worship, for false worship. To have something that is just barely scratching the surface when it can be a very powerful thing in our hearts. Now, you're over with me in John 4, right? Been there for a while. Still there. (laughs) John chapter 4. This is the story when Jesus spoke with this woman at a well. 
And uh, he began talking to her about how he would give her living water. He talked to her about her life. He had revelation concerning all the marriages she had been involved in. She'd been married five times and she presently was just shacking up with someone she wasn't married to. And Jesus got all these things by word of knowledge. And so he began to explain to her about, about who he was and about eternal life. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And so they were all discussing where and how and all these different questions about worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming uh, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And of course he's speaking, right? God chose Israel as the nation he would, he would establish a covenant with and spread his love throughout the world through. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And so we can see that if there are true worshipers, then there must also be false worshipers, right? Those, those that think they are worshiping God, but they're really not. Otherwise, again, Jesus wouldn't say the Father is seeking true worshipers. If there's a true worshiper, there must be true worship, okay? If there's true worship, there must be false worship. Otherwise, you wouldn't call it true worship. You'd just call it worship. But he qualified the worship. Some people are, quote, worshiping, but they're doing it in such a way that it is not real. It is not qualified by God as real. It might be defined by them as real. They might have arguments amongst themselves, amongst, amongst other people, and they may fuss and fight about their form, their method, their place, how they do these things. And they might say, this is my, the way I worship God. But it's possible, even in the middle of this, that from God's perspective, He looks at what some individuals are doing, and He says, that's not real. That's not true worship what you're doing. And the very fact that that could exist makes me want to do double check, right? And, and make sure that I am doing what God would consider true. What He would consider the genuine article. And so that I know the end result is a connection with God, not just the observance of some religious ritual. Not just I'm doing it the way I've always done it, or I've been told, or the way I've... I've seen other people do it, or I grew up in this sort of environment, and this is how we do this, and this is where we do it. Okay? Might be great, but I do want to make sure that if there's a false worship, that I'm not in that category. Everybody with me today? I, I trust I've struck a chord with you that is that, that something in you that says, I want the real thing as well. I don't want margarine in my relationship with God. No matter what color it is. 
Remember, uh, the, the Bible, Bible speaks about this uh, Pharisee one day who was praying on the corner, um, making loud prayers so everyone would would hear and, and believe that he's, uh, you know, such a holy person. And, and the Bible s- describes it this way. At least one translation says that he stood there praying thus with himself. And I thought, huh, yikes. <laughs> He thinks he's having this great conversation with God, having this great relationship with God. But the accurate description, he's talking to himself. He's praying to himself. He's praying with himself. And uh, let that never be said about us. Man, I just got done. Spent an hour praying with myself. (laughs) We want to make sure and have a connection with, with the Lord. Praise God. The Message Bible reads this way, verse 23 of John 4. It is, it reads this way, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. Now think about that. We want to worship in truth and reality. We want to worship in spirit. It must be done in a way that engages our spirit. And so we'll probably come back and talk about some of that more. But if you are connected to God, then you have the ability to worship. Obviously, worshiping in spirit is partly connected to being born again. You cannot truly worship God if you're spiritually dead. You're spiritually disconnected. And so if a person is not connected, they're not truly worshiping. Uh, Worship is not limited to the beginning of our service. When we gather, well, this is the worship time. And now we're done, by the way, and so see you next week. We'll do some more worship. No, it is not limited to that. It's not limited to someone saying, I worship you to the Lord. And that can be very real and powerful, but that's not the extent. That's not the definition. That's not the full description of what true worship is. Our worship is our lives lived in service to God. It is our prayers. It's our obedience. It's our confession. It's our devotion to Him. Worship can be expressed in multiple ways. It does encompass not just a period of time or a set location, but it encompasses the whole entirety of a person's life who have who has a connection and relationship with God. Go over with me to Romans chapter 12, and I want to begin to show you this. Uh, there's a number of scriptures that relate to this. Romans, the 12th chapter, is one of them. And see, I love our time of worship, if, that, if it can be qualified and characterized that way. What we did for the first 20, 25 minutes of the service today, uh, I love that. And I, could, I enjoy that very much. And I'm personally having a, having a connection with God in the middle of it. But let us not define and fully describe worship and say that's what it is. Because that's not what it is. That is a, a way and a part of it. And it is a, an expression of our heart to the Lord. But it does not fully encompass what the Lord means. And what Jesus talked about when he said, The Father is looking for true worshipers. 
Romans chapter 12, begin here with me, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now notice this exhortation that that Paul is writing to to the Romans. He said, "I, I beseech you, I beg you, I urge you that you need to do something with your body. What does your body need to be? A sacrifice. But how many know not a sacrifice as in kill it, but he said a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, one of the ways that they would worship God is through sacrifices. And that was called worship. Not, I mean, they, certainly they had... We read the Psalms and we read, we read about singing and dancing and rejoicing and lifting up hands and all these kind of uh, expressions of praise and gratitude towards the Lord. And that was a big part of their deal. But also, one of the things they would do is they would kill animals. And that was part of their worship because of their sinful condition. Blood had to be shed to cover their sins. That was their worship to God. You remember Abraham and Isaac. And he said, we're going, up on the, we're going up on the mountain to worship God. We're going to worship. What were they doing? They were going up to make sacrifice. Of course, you know that turned out a little different than what he was given the information there at the beginning. But they interpreted that. I'm going to go make a sacrifice to God. I'm going to give something up. I'm going to kill something of value. And it's going to be worship to God. Now, that's an interesting thought. But we translate that over into the New Covenant, and thank God Jesus was the final and forever sacrifice, so no longer is that necessary, and, and, and uh, taking the lives of, of living creatures is not necessary any longer, but we still worship through sacrifice. Is that okay with anybody? That means we give something up, but what do we do? Specifically, he says, we sacrifice our bodies, but... It's a living sacrifice. We present our physical being to the Lord as an offering of worship. Listen to this from the New International Version, NIV. This is uh, uh, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now think about that. Someone said, I'm going to go worship the Lord. And we think, I worship you, Lord. But no, right here, I mean, that's, I'm not saying that's not a, a part of worship. But here... What is our spiritual act of worship? And again, it has to do with our bodies. It has, to do, it has to do with much more than a few minutes of lifting our hands and singing from our heart and, and being sincere and all that. It has to do with our life. For the person who only, quote, worships God on a Sunday morning, there's not much worship going on. 
For the person who sets aside a, a small period of time and says, I wor- I'm going to worship the Lord, and that's what it is. That's the full extent and definition of their worship to God. There's not much worship going on. Because worship, if it's really true, it involves everything we do. It involves our lives. It involves our waking. It involves what we do through the day. Am I worshiping God all the time? Or am I just worshiping God on occasion? And this really ties into a person who has a revelation of God's presence with them continually, an awareness of God's love and desire to be with them always. It goes back to a person having a serious relationship with God or someone who occasionally visits the Lord, occasionally checks in to make sure, you know, I was there. The, uh, the end result is the experience of the two are greatly different, vastly different. The person who checks in now and then to worship and the person who gets it, that I'm saved. I worship in spirit. What do you mean? My spirit has been born again. I've been filled with the life of God. And He's with me always. And I live for Him. And He's on my thoughts. And my body belongs to Him. And I worship Him with my physical being in this sense. I kill it. What do I mean by that? The, 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 lust, the fleshly, lustful desires of the flesh. And so, let me say this. There's a lot here, but... Uh, sometimes people say, well, everyone worships different. Or everyone should just worship in their own way. It's said that worship means different things to different people. And I agree that it does mean different things to different people. I'm not sure it's supposed to mean different things to different people. Everybody with me? And I said people worship in different ways. Okay, but I want to come back to this. If I am worshiping Him, I want to be mindful not of what is worship to me, but what is worship to Him. Not, it's not about, uh, this is my way. This is what I'm comfortable with. No, I want to forget about me because I'm not the object of worship. Many times people will say, I'm worshiping, but they're worshiping themselves. Because they're doing things that make themselves feel comfortable. They, they enjoy it. And it's all about their personal feelings as opposed to what would bring pleasure to the Lord. What would honor and exalt and magnify Him. And so when I talk about worship, it's not just about whatever I like to do, whatever I want to do. I want to find out whatever He wants me to do. What He likes. Everybody okay? It's kind of like when you study Scripture. Someone will read a verse and say sometimes, uh, you know, in, a, in like a small group setting, read a verse, and they'll go around and say, now, let's everyone, let, let's all share. What does this verse mean to you? How many know that's a, that's a quick way to get into error? 
That's a quick way to get all messed up in your understanding of God, to find out what a verse means to everybody. (laughs) Because how many know that verse means a whole lot of wrong things to some people? See, it doesn't matter what it means. No, it matters what it, what it means to God. Let's go around and discuss what this verse means to God and how it applies to our lives. Let's discuss how we can adapt and change our thinking and align our experience and our lives up with what thus saith the Lord. As opposed to taking what thus saith the Lord and interpreting and, and looking at it from a different angle and trying to make it fit into my pathetic life. And then say, oh, we had a good time worshiping the Lord. No, you had a good time watering down His Word. You had a good time uh, twisting and making it adapt so it would fit into your life. And God's not glorified in that. If something is clear from Him, and it's something that He said, then we need to hold that up. And we make the adjustments. We're the ones who are molded and shaped and aligned with Him. We're the ones who get our minds renewed. In the middle of that, the renewing of the mind is right in context with worship. I need to take my body and sacrifice it. What do I mean? I mean there are certain things that my flesh and my body want to do, and I need to kill it. Kill those desires and say, no, I belong to Him. He is my Lord and Master, and I worship Him in spirit and truth by offering my life. And you know, how many know you don't have, you know, we come to church, that's not the only time we're in our body. Your body is with you always. You ever recognize that? The morning you wake up, there it is. You tried to get out. <laughs> there it is. That means if I'm really worshiping God, if I'm, a, if I'm a true worshiper, I'm a true worshiper of God always. Praise God. I, I want to go a little bit further, but I, I'm going to, l- let me show you this, 1 Corinthians 9, we're going to finish up, we'll come back, you'll be back, right? Religiously? <laughs> Hope you understand what I mean when I say that, even when coming to church, I want to get beyond doing it religiously, even though it's a good habit in my life, I want to do it for more than that. I don't want to come to church religiously. I want to come out of a desire for God. I, out of love for people. I want to come to church for more reasons than just this is required of me. Because it's really not. It's really not. Jesus fulfilled all the requirements. He nailed them to the tree. Now there's nothing. There's no laws against you. You're just free in Christ. But we do things by choice. We do things because they're good. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 27, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul, one of the most spiritual people that we have record of. Paul, a leader in the church, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, the apostle, he said, this is what I do. And he's one who wrote, of course, Romans as well, presenting your bodies. He said, this is what I do with my body. I discipline it. Some translation said, I think it's the Amplified Bible, says, I beat it like a boxer. I pound it down. (laughs) Now, he's not physically hitting himself. He's He's not physically, but he's getting very serious with the flesh, with the flesh part of his being. 
He's being very serious with his body and saying, I'm not going to be dominated by it. I'm not going to let it control me. I am going to worship God with this body, and so I'm going to keep it in line. Because your flesh will do anything you let it do. Your body will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. But those who worship God say, I recognize this is the temple. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I am going to, be, I'm going to let God be glorified in this body. And our worship then, it's, not, it's this, oh yeah, it's far beyond just that. It goes far beyond just our singing and our corporate times of worship together. It encompasses our entire lives. And when it does and when we recognize this, then, then the Lord is glorified. Then we can take on the status of true worshipers. Amen? I've got much more to say. We'll say it another day. And, uh, and the Lord will help us to get this. But uh, let, let's, let's end right there for now. Father, we love you. We worship you. We give you glory, we give you praise, thanksgiving for every good thing that you have done. Lord, you're in us, you're with us, present all the time. Father, I thank you that you're present in our lives. Now, on Monday, on Tuesday, every day every moment you're with us Father help us to worship you in such a way that it engages our spirit our connection our personal relationship with you at all times we honor you we serve you we give you all the glory be glorified in our bodies in our minds in our thoughts in everything we do give all the thanks and praise to you. We worship you, Lord. So thank you for doing a work in our hearts today. Thank you for speaking to lives. Lord, helping us to step up and move forward and not be bound up in religion, not be bound up in man's ideas or human fleshly ways. Thank you for working in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good.